Hello there, everybody. This is T.C. Rollins. And this is Rain DeGray. And we are off this week because I am going to be celebrating my birthday and I'm taking a day off, which I rarely ever do. Yeah, you know how I feel about days off. I know you dislike them altogether. I don't believe in them as a concept. But since we are gone, we still have a special birthday treat for all of you. This is a re-release of the second episode we ever did, which was titled on a very special birthday episode of Dirty Talk with Raymond Gray. Back when this podcast wasn't the Dirty Talk podcast, it was called Dirty Talk with Raymond Gray. You remember way back when? Um, I could look it up online. You could look it up online. This was originally released back in 2018. So what? Coming up five years ago. I don't, I can't, I refused, what? I know, it's weird no. that we've been doing this for five years, and it's changed so, so much. much since that time. Yes. But yes. it was my birthday back then, and you know what keeps happening every year? You have another birthday. I get another birthday, and I keep getting older. Oh, well, it's better than the alternative. Yeah, I guess. Well, maybe last week, in last week's episode, we talked about how people might start living forever. If you weren't a Patreon supporter, you didn't hear that. But you can always join us at patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcast and hear all those off week podcasts. The last week's podcast was pretty epic. It was there were epic. a lot of drunken fruit flies living forever. Mm, so many vaginal orgasms. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I cannot believe we've been doing we're moving on from the vaginal orgasms because that one just annoyed me. Okay. I cannot believe it's been that long. That's I we have changed. We used to do not as many and they were more elaborate. We did a lot of skits and yeah, yeah. And well, this wasn't and, wasn't elaborate. This actually had a call. Well, you'll see because you're gonna listen to yeah, it. Maybe yeah. if you stick around and listen to it. There's a call from a listener. There's all sorts of stuff. It's a right. blast from the past. But here you go, a little birthday treat from me to all of you. Uh, this is where we started. I'm sure I'm, I haven't listened to it in a long time. I'm sure the production value is terrible, but hey, enjoy. It's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm really we're, selling we're it. Flipping through the audio scrapbook. Yeah, but we hope you enjoy, and uh, we'll talk to y'all in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday, by the way. Well, thank you very much, and happy birthday to all of you out there listening as well, or happy unbirthday, whatever it may be. We don't know. Theme song, take one. Hello. So, um, you know what today is, Boo? Um, to yes, I do. Today happens to be your birthday. Yes, and I'm sure I ruined the surprise for everyone listening because the title of this episode is on a very special birthday episode of Dirty Talk with Rain DeGray. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. So then they already knew. Uh, yeah. Well, they didn't know whose birthday it was. They just knew could, it was a very special birthday episode. Could have been. It could have been my birthday. It could have been my cat's birthday. It could have been. But you know what's special about today? What's special about today? It's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. No? No. It's your birthday. You're not dead. And today is probably the one day a year I log on to my Facebook. 
Oh, that's right. You hate social media. But you're you not know, a you fan. have to go on there because people, you know who your true friends are based on who wishes you a happy birthday on your Facebook page. Ah, uh, <laughs> I haven't wished you a happy birthday on your Facebook page. What does that mean? Well, you wish me a happy, you woke me up with the best birthday present one could get. Oh. So I appreciate that. And you were the first person to wish me happy birthday last night and the first person to wish me happy birthday this morning. This is true. With your mouth. <laughs> I think that that's a good way to wish someone a happy birthday. Yeah. Originally, this wasn't going to be a birthday episode. Originally, we had planned to record this last night, but we were tired, and so we wound up cuddling in bed and watching Adam Ruins Everything. We love that show. A big shout out to Adam Ruins Everything. <laughs> it's got all the best things combined into one. It's just enough cynicism and uh, logic and facts and good production value oh it's excellent so adam if you ever want to ruin porn let <laughs> us know we got some stuff for you oh yeah i could hook you up you ruin the fuck out of porn <laughs> i ruin porn on a regular basis yeah that's what you're good at but not the sex she doesn't ruin ever ruin the sex <laughs> i just i happen to like realism that's my bag yeah so how are you doing today I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. And a happy birthday to you, by the way. Have we mentioned that? That it's your birthday? Um, thank you. Happy birthday. But you don't know if it's my real birthday. It could be my Facebook birthday. Oh. Maybe I didn't provide them with the right date. You never know. Yes, you're all about the anonymity. Yeah, personal information. Don't want that getting out. No, no. Yeah. Well, I think it's a little late for me. I got a lot of information out there. Yeah, you're all over. Your I ass am. is literally all over <laughs> the My internet. ass is all over the world. It's a well-traveled ass. Worldwide ass. It is a worldwide ass. Not Kim Kardashian-sized. Yeah. It's more of a petite white girl ass. But, you know, it's still well-traveled. I like it. Thank God. So, what do we got for today? Well, other than your exciting birthday, uh, we have a, a number of questions called in. We've been taking podcast questions. People have been calling in and leaving us questions. Don't forget that if there's something that you yourself would like to ask at all times, we are always taking questions. Yep. The number to call is 614-733-4739, otherwise known as 614-RD-GRAY. So that is 614-733-4739. And you might just have a question answered on an upcoming podcast. But before we do that, let's go to something that we could call news bits. We've collected a few interesting articles. If you have signed up for my newsletter, you'll understand that I am always looking for entertaining and intriguing news bits. We both have uh, something that we've brought to discuss before we unpack the podcast questions. Yeah, you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So the news item I have today, something I heard about on the radio the other day, and I don't know if you heard about this or not, but IKEA, the Swedish furniture giant conglomerate, world dominating. Founded by a raging alcoholic who was half in the bag most of the time, which probably explains why those things are so hard to put together and why they're so oddly named. Yeah. I think it's just Icelandic for... I've had a lot of vodka. You don't like the fjof dort? <laughs> it looks so good on my vashtenvat. <laughs> With so, a lot of umlauts? No, no. 
So IKEA came out with this brilliant ad campaign where they actually incorporate a pregnancy test into the ad. So what it is is that it's a magazine ad and expected mothers can get a discount on a crib from Ikea. But the caveat is that they have to pee on the magazine ad. And if you're pregnant, then like a pregnancy test, instead of it exposing a cute little symbol, it exposes a coupon code for you to go and get a discount on the crib at Ikea. So you're handing uh, an Ikea store clerk a urinated on piece of paper. That's your coupon. That's that's your coupon. Do you let it dry? Like, are you going to take a blow dryer to I it? I don't know. I, I mean, every store clerk that works for Ikea is like, oh boy, I get to handle urine-soaked paper. Who's collecting all these coupons? Yeah. Like, Well, here's, so here's, here, I'm going to do what I love and what I don't like about this. Okay, okay, lay it on me. What I love about this is that this is some sick, twisted messed up Swedish shit, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what advertising meeting they were sitting around and be like, you know what's a great idea? Let's get a bunch of pregnant women to squat over this magazine and pee on it. <laughs> right? I don't know if that was somebody's personal fetish. May- they- oh, maybe it was right? a fetish disguised as an ad campaign. Yeah. But what I also love about this besides the fact of there's a bunch of pregnant women squatting over and peeing on magazines, is that it's a free birth control test for indigent people. Exactly. Birth control tests, they're, what is it, like five, 10 bucks a pop, five bucks a pop? It's been a while since I had to buy one. <laughs> right? So, but yeah, so for the, you know, the downtrodden, all they have to do is go and find the Ikea magazine ad and they're bingo boingo, you got a free pregnancy test. Right. I was just, that's true. That's really handy, actually. Yeah. They're giving away, what, hundreds of thousands of dollars in free pregnancy tests. Excellent. And then you could even get a discount on a crib if it turns out that you need one. So now this is very interesting. This is another way to look at it. That means that the companies that make pregnancy tests are charging way too much for their product because Ikea is proving that you can insert one in a magazine. All you have to do is pee on it, which means the the markup that these companies are doing when they're charging, what, five or ten bucks a pop for a magazine for a pregnancy test. That's outrageous. Well, it could just be all the plastic that it's packaged in. It just goes to show that there's no doubt a cheaper way to do birth control mm-hmm. tests. I also think this was brilliant on IKEA's part because there's no way this is not going to go viral. Somebody, uh, in the, somebody in the company had to know, like, hey, if we're having people pee on magazines, they're going to talk about it. It's going to be a thing, right? Right. And so I think it's a brilliant marketing campaign for that reason. That I don't even know how many of these things they need to produce, even if they just made one. People it's would still, still talk str- about it. We're talking about it. Idea. Exactly. I want to see one of these things. If one of our millions of listener out there comes across one, send it to us. Uh, there is the P.O. box on the website. Go ahead. If you come across one of these IKEA magazine ads, send it to the P.O. box and maybe we'll send you something. Just in case you're not on our website, but you do come across one of these magazines ads, we would certainly love to see them. My P.O. Box is P.O. Box 75-1572, Petaluma, California, 94975. Send me non-PEDON magazine ads. Yeah, we don't. We want fresh ads. We, yeah, don't, yeah. Want, we don't want your urine in the mail. 
watch. Someone's going to send me some pee now. But Thanks. send us one and we'll send you something interesting in return. Yes. Interesting. Pinky swear. <laughs> the thing I don't like about this is that Ikea is assuming that only expectant mothers are the ones that are going to need a discount on this crib. So I think that there is a little... Like almost like a little, just a, it's a little discrimination. It's like it's not just, you know, biological females like that are having children. Like you could be adopting. Yeah. You could be, you could be two gay men. You could, I mean. Or you could be grandparents that are having to take right. the child because the mother and father aren't able to care for the child. But there's many, multiple reasons why you might need a crib. Right. But just only giving it to expectant women. What if you've already had the baby and you need the crib and you're no longer mm-hmm. pregnant and you can't. P mm-hmm. on the magazine ad to prove your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So that's the only issue I have with it is their assumption that in order to you get have, to, in order to be a mother, you got to have a fertile working womb. And other yeah. than that, you don't qualify for the mother crib sweepstakes. And then you have to prove it to us. You can't yeah. just I can't take your word for it. Right. You have to pee on this magazine, prove it, and then I'll give you the discount. I mean, it's very it's very effective for getting people talking about IKEA. It certainly worked. It's it's a marketing strategy. It's much like Starbucks. Starbucks has has sent out all the employees are specifically supposed to misspell customers' names, and so people are like, "Oh, Starbucks! They spell the name so poorly." It's because then people take a photo of their Starbucks cup and be like, "Look how poorly they misspelled my name!" And then Starbucks reaps the benefits of really? all that. Yeah, I'm gonna it's look a, this up. It is a marketing strategy that Starbucks created to deliberately misspell their customers' names because people then tweet about it, post it on Facebook, and Starbucks gets so much free advertising. Are you saying that Starbucks is trying to manipulate their customers' Instagram accounts? Yes, I am saying that. For their own financial gain? It is a stone-cold fact. What? So in in a way, um, they're not, you know, IKEA is not saying let's misspell customers' names, but they've come up with a very creative idea to get people talking about it. I'm sure that... Even the words IKEA is being pronounced a lot more frequently these days because people can't stop talking about magazines getting peed on. I can't stop thinking about it. I know. I know. You've been thinking about it a lot. So anyways, that's what I got. What do you got? So my interesting news article is actually more of a whole bunch of news articles. You had something that was more whimsical, which is pregnant ladies copping a squat over magazine and then taking their urine-soaked pieces of paper to Ikea and letting some poor clerk have to handle their piss, which seems almost like a biohazard in a way. Like, I, there's got to be some health concerns with that. Maybe they could just take a picture of it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm serious. I want one of these so I can pee on it. So mine is uh, more of an, of an overarching thing. I, as you probably are aware, am really into health and fitness and clean living and good eating. And we are having a crisis. We're having a crisis in terms of children and sexuality where we haven't pinned down the reasons why, but we are having more and more cases of early onset puberty. More and more, and this early onset puberty is affecting girls as opposed to boys. And more and more girls are hitting puberty at the age of seven, eight, or nine. And America is a land that was founded by Puritans. It was just too much fun happening in Europe, and our founders couldn't deal with it, and they got in an uncomfortable boat, and they went halfway across the world so they could go hang out in a cold, uncomfortable rock, wearing all black, and going to church a lot. That is our legacy. That is our ancestors. 
And 250 years later, we're still struggling with that legacy. America is not good with sexuality. We're incredibly uncomfortable with it. And now we're having a case, I believe, that it is hormones. It's where there's so much hormones in our food. In the past 100 years, the food we've eaten has changed dramatically. We were putting a ton of hormones and antibiotics into our food. And even though we haven't pinned down the exact reason as to why our girls are entering puberty so much sooner, they are, and we have not addressed the fact, and we don't have sex ed for eight-year-olds. That makes us uncomfortable. Parents freak out about it. Well, it is a stone-cold fact that if you don't have sex ed and you are not taking the time to educate your children, you are having increasing rates of early pregnancy and STIs. So I don't... uh, I've been seeing references and articles like this all over the place lately, and they haven't been able to figure out supposedly why these children are are going into puberty so it's soon. The milk. It's the it's it's the milk. It's the, it's it's, the milk. Yeah, and I also think that maybe it's a lot of the soy that are in mm, products now. Okay, yeah, that too. There's a lot of estrogen in it, yeah, and soy is a pseudoestrogen, and mm-hmm. they're using soy as a filler in everything. Okay, yeah. So my point is that unless America gets more comfortable with sexuality, we are going to be in a definite predicament. I don't see Americans or really the world at large changing their diet. The The estrogen from the soy is going to keep happening. The, the hormones are going to keep being in our meat and our dairy. Children are going to keep entering puberty at an earlier and earlier age. And unless there is some serious addressing for our uncomfortableness when it comes to sexuality, we're going to have a bumper crop of pregnant 13-year-olds that didn't even know how they got in that position in the first place because their parents and their culture is too scared to talk to them about sex. Yeah, well, I understand. As a parent, it is awkward to talk to my child about sex, and I'm more readily, for some reason, feel comfortable watching violent movies with her than movies with sexual Mm -hmm. overtones. Well, you've told her she can't date until she's 30. But that's a personal preference. <laughs> I mean, your 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 little girl is going to grow up and she's going to end up having sex. That is a fact. Yes. So wouldn't it be better off preparing her for it? I would hope that when the time comes that she has a loving auntie, Ray Ray, that will discuss these things with her <laughs> and probably her mom as well. So it's me and her mom's job to wrangle the sex education portion of it. I'm not ready to deal okay. with my young daughter having sex yet. I will <laughs> I will cross that bridge when it arrives. Okay. But yes, I do agree that probably we need to start offering sex education sooner mm-hmm. in the schools. Mm-hmm. And when though- it's proposed, parents riot at it. They get violently opposed. They get so distraught. How dare you talk about that with my precious baby? Well, because they're not. Obviously, it's up to the government to talk about uncomfortable topics like sex with our children. Right. But, I mean, I I think that I should talk about it with my daughter. I'm just always worried about saying the wrong thing. Right. And that's, that's where it gets scary. So maybe if I have somebody that's better trained to discuss it, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> See, it's tricky. Even for you are you are an open-minded, liberal, fairly hip dude, and yeah. I can see the struggle even you have. So imagine someone who you're open-minded enough that you are dating a 
BDSM porn star. No, most people couldn't hang with that. And I invite you into my home and, on a regular basis. Yes. And you engage on a very personal level with my daughter. Right. And so, and yeah. even you have trouble with that concept. So someone who's less open-minded than you, like I get, I get the situation, but change is not going to happen unless there is a conversation. We need to start that conversation. And we have a hard time starting it because we're so uncomfortable with the topic. Agreed. Hmm? All right. So that's my interest is not so much... It's not as whimsical as yours, but it's it's something I've really been thinking about and been aware of lately. We can teach sex to children by peeing on magazines. Win-win <laughs> that's, situation. That's all your around. that's your takeaway. Okay, right. But the children aren't. Oh wait, are they going to be pregnant because they have faulty sex ed? Yes. Wow, that is just a round robin of trouble. Is what that is. Thank you, IKEA, for <laughs> providing free pregnancy tests to all our uneducated youth. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, so those were our interesting news articles. Let's take our first call. What do you have for us? Hello, Ray. This is uh, Kevin in Boston. I have a question for your podcast, uh, too, actually. First, um, I was wondering if you could give some advice with regards to uh, how to safely get into breath play, especially uh, strangulation play, uh, hand around neck, that sort of thing. Uh, and secondly, for those of us that are starting to explore our sexuality uh, more through casual sex, if you could give some advice with regards to uh, finding partners, especially partners that might be into kinky play rather than uh, vanilla. Hope you're having a good time and good luck with the podcast. So um, these are actually fairly common questions that I get asked. I'm glad that you asked. This uh, topic in particular, breath play. It's, it can be it, it, sketchy. It's a it's, little, it can be dangerous. It's, it, it, it is. It it's, is well, it's I'm, one of the more dangerous activities that you can yes. engage in on yeah. the kinky BDSM. I, I have done a lot of breath play in my time. Breath play to the point where I have been knocked out fully unconscious multiple, multiple times. I actually teach a breath play class, and I don't think in the kinky community there is any more divisive topic than breath play. And it, it comes down to this. A, people are always going to be doing breath play. And it, it's, it's... Well, kids do it from an early age. They, yeah, they the, fainting the fainting game. game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember the first time I was 12 when the fainting game went around, and another girl taught me how to, to and I, I didn't believe her. I was like, what, you, I'm going to faint? And she had this, like, you stand up and you do like a, a chest you compression. Hyperventilate. And then, hyperventilate yeah. and then, bam, you faint. And it blew my mind. So yeah, I guess my first breath play was at around 12, 12 or maybe 13. Is that the first time you experienced an altered state? Um, no, I've actually been really good with altered states my entire life. Like I slip into altered states Watching a movie, uh, reading a book, strenuous exercise, um, uh, the feeling you get after crying a lot. Um, altered states is something that I've always reached readily through a wide variety of mediums. It's probably what got me into the lifestyle was it was so easy for me to find altered states and they felt so magical for me that getting into kinky play really allowed me to indulge in my love of these altered states. And I, I don't definitely th- see that. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't take as much uh, effort for me to find those altered states. 
It's And I always want to, like, take other people on that journey of, like, yay, come check out this, you know, come check out the magic over here. <laughs> I like hanging out with the magic. Once you find something you like, you tend to want to share it. I do. I get very enthusiastic about the things I'm enthusiastic about. So breath play. I actually teach a breath play class. And it is a divisive topic. Uh, there are ways to do it that are safer than others. I'm not really wanting to give out tips here. I certainly don't want to open myself up to a lawsuit. Or I would say the one thing to take away from this, because he asks, uh, especially strangulation play, mm-hmm. hand around neck, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, a lot of strangulation play. Don't want to put your hand directly on someone else's neck. That is a big no-no because you don't want to actually collapse their windpipe. Mm. There's there's ways to do it uh, where you're not actually holding directly on somebody's neck. It's more up towards the jaw than anything. Well, else. you're still you're still grasping the neck. You don't want to put any pressure on the front where your voice box is. Where if you were to take your hands in like a U shape and just hold it around your throat. The pressure that that feels good is pleasurable. That is what you're looking for is on the sides and and up, but nothing on the front. If you were to take your hand and just put it on the, that feels horrible. And that's yeah, that's the mistake that like people make is that they're not doing proper placement with the hands. Uh, however, uh, Kevin, I the advice that I want to give you is let's not start right out with strangulation play with putting your hands around someone's neck. A much safer way to do this is hand over mouth and nose and what you can you're you're controlling someone's um uh, airflow but you're not doing any risk of compressions now when you do too much of a compression on the neck you're you can cause many strokes like little miniature strokes that happen now people get knocked unconscious all the time particularly when it comes to sports with with a lot of wrestling and jujitsu there are like full takedown uh, positions that have you a prying pleasure, and if someone doesn't tap out, they're going to lose consciousness. But that does cause cumulative damage. And I look back at my kinky history, I'm like, I have been knocked unconscious willingly, consensually, so many times. Heaven forbid that I realize that in 20 years there was a price to pay. It's just like I had to take black eyes off the table, I had to take gut punching off the table. I will engage in kinky activities and defend them vigorously until the universe comes along and is like, yo, rain, that's that activity. No. So breath play is a tricky one. What I would do uh, rather than go first, it's it's hot, but you want more of the visual of the concept of like, oh, I'm, I've got a hand around your throat. You don't want to be making someone pass out if they're not ready for it. You don't want to be causing many strokes. You don't, that's a, that's a power dynamic that can shift very quickly and shift towards the negative. What I will do is put a hand over someone's uh, mouth, pinch their nose, and while I'm making really heavy direct eye contact, and while I'm doing it, my little secret is that I'm holding my breath at the same time. So even if my bottom cannot tell, I'm using my own air and my lungs to gauge how they're doing in their lungs. Now I'm factoring in their adrenaline's going to be up higher. They're going to be having more of an endorphin buzz. So while I'm using my own holding of my breath as a counter for how long I should be suppressing their air, I'm depriving myself of air for the same amount of time, but recognizing they're going to run out of air before me because they have a higher adrenaline coursing through their veins. I'm also going to be factoring in what if they have a cold? What if they're tired? 
What if they're not in the right headspace? They've got some congestion issues. There are a multitude of medical factors that you would want to make sure are addressed before you would even move on to suppressing someone's air. Uh, I, I can't say don't do it because I myself do it and find it very enjoyable, but it is some tricky territory. I want you to really do homework past calling into a podcast before you attempt to do strangulation play. So besides your breath play class, are there any other resources that you think you would be able to recommend to find more information about this? Because unfortunately, since it is such a divisive topic, Mm -hmm. It's really hard to find good quality information about it. Uh, I just Googled breath play when I started doing my class notes for it. There is tons of articles about it. I just I don't get a chance to write about it or discuss it as much as I'd like because I do worry about lawsuits or like Randa Gray told me this and I tried it and my partner has a stroke and I want to send her the medical bills. So it's a divisive topic, but people are going to... Within 30 seconds of Googling breath play, I had a a full list, multiple articles. People do write about it. I wish I could be more comfortable talking about something that I'm so passionate about, but people do have a lot of baggage associated with this one. I certainly don't want Jay Wiseman on my ass. Yeah. (laughs) So now uh, for his, his second question, I guess he's just starting to get into the kinkiness and he's Mm -hmm. looking for some other kink partners to Mm -hmm. engage with so there is actually i've uh, we should throw in a link with this podcast for that advice column i did that was about how to find kinky partners the truth is there are a ton of kinky people out there dating itself is hard and you're uh, you're looking for partners that are into kinky play so already when it comes to dating 99 percent of dates don't work out they just don't you go on the date The one that works out and sticks, that's the one you keep hanging out with. But most of trying to interact with someone else in a sexual or romantic way is going to be like, you don't work out for whatever reasons. It's a lot of trial and error. When it comes to kink, you have to be even more specific and clear with your pool. There are kinky groups on Facebook. There are kinky groups on FetLife. There are uh, kinky people on OkCupid. There are kinky people on Tinder. There, with only um, um, there are, are specific dating apps that are just for kinky people. My my the biggest piece of advice that I can give you is be incredibly clear and direct with your needs. You know that you're kinky. You know that's what you're looking for. So be very clear and direct with that. Be clear with that from day one. Don't wait till you're about a year in, go into the relationship and say, hey. Yeah, There's this thing that really means a lot to me, and it's kind of a make-or-break situation. And I just neglected to hit it for you for a year, hoping you get attached to me, and now I'm going to bring it out, and I hope you can deal with it. No. Be clear from your with your needs and desires from day one, and if they can't hang, then you've done everybody in that situation a favor. You've saved yourself time. You've saved them time. So be clear and direct. Yeah. So yeah, definitely with the online stuff, you can find lots of resources there. Again, we mentioned FetLife. But also you can search online for local munches, meetups. You can find a dungeon. Hopefully if you're near a fairly well-populated city, there has to be a public dungeon somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's going to be plenty of meetups, plenty of Mm -hmm. munches that you can Mm -hmm. attend. And all the people there, they might not necessarily be into your exact kink, but it's going to bring you closer to finding somebody that is. Find find your community, take some classes, 
Like, just get immersed in your local kinky community, and once you start meeting people, you know that you have step one out of the way. You all are kinky people. So don't go trying to fish in the vanilla dating pool if you're not vanilla. That's only going to end in disappointment. Trying to, I don't have the time or patience to attempt to convert vanillas. Come to me already kinky or don't waste my time. And the mistake that people make often is that they try and convert a vanilla. Be like, well, I'll get them attached to me and then I'll bust out the kinky things. And well, and then they're not, they're not into it or they can't deal with it. And you've wasted everybody's respective time. Uh, thank you very much for the question, Kevin. Uh, you are someone that actually contacts me pretty regularly. I'm sure that you'll have more questions. I also responded to you directly on Patreon with another one of the questions that you sent in. So thank you for that, and I'm certain I will talk to you soon. Uh, good evening, Ray. This is AJ. I have a question for a podcast. My question is, since you're working porn, how do you feel knowing that people you will never meet watch you engaged in, in sexual activities. I just have always wondered that about, I've always wanted to ask that to people who, who've done porn before. How does that make you feel? All right. Thank you so much and have a nice day. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. This is actually the most common question that I get asked. And the answer is, I don't give a shit. And nobody could that it got into this. You couldn't get into porn if you cared about people that you've never met watching you doing sexual activities. That's literally the job description. Uh, it's never bothered me at all in any way. I knew going in that shooting porn means that people all across the world will know exactly what your butthole looks like. You weren't shocked? You didn't find out later, like, wait a minute, you're going to be distributing this? You know, I guess I never really thought about it after it was done. I don't know why other people got into porn, but I personally got into porn because I'm a hedonist and I'm curious and I want to explore. And for me, getting into porn was a really safe way for me to explore my sexuality. Uh, it, think about it. You're going to go do a gangbang and you're like, okay, I have to recruit all these people, make sure that they're tested, do all the scheduling, find a location to have it happen, hope that when they show up, they can maintain wood. You, you know, the, the effort of trying to put that together as a civilian is staggering. And people I knew, civilians that tried to do gangbangs, most of the time they don't work or the, or the, you know, a room full of six dudes think that they can reliably deliver wood. And then when the actual comes down to it, they're just, no. Like the great thing about porn is that all the work is done for you. All you have to do is show up and you're guaranteed that you are going to be working with attractive people that are very good at what they do and they're tested to boot. Yeah, and honestly, in real life, a bunch of people staying around naked waiting to it's do something is kind of awkward. It's awkward. It, yeah, it, it is. It's, I, I, That's why, Adam, if you want to ruin porn, <laughs> bring it. <laughs> Give us a call. <laughs> so, yeah, and I also know, knowing you as well as I do, I know that it's not easy to embarrass you. No, you not really. You get embarrassed mm -mm. or mm -mm. flustered very easily. Nope. No, I know you. You can be guilted. Oh yeah, you've got all the guilt. All the guilt. But embarrassment. Totally different thing. No, it doesn't. It doesn't really. In fact, people get embarrassed around me when I'm describing stuff or or just being me. People get embarrassed just being in my vicinity, but not me. No, yeah. you're pretty open about everything yeah. that you've done. 
Yeah. So how do I feel about it? I I could give two shits. I don't really, you know, it, it actually I'm doing when I shoot porn, I'm doing it for the experience. I tr- I truly am a a kinky, open-minded hedonist. And what I always forget is that there's a camera and that people can watch it after the fact. Like I guess that's the disconnect for me is like people email me, "Oh my god." And I'm like, "How does this person even how have they even heard of me? How do they know what I like I just I forget that it's out there being distributed. Yeah, because when you do it, it's just you, mm-hmm. a guy with a camera, and mm-hmm. usually only two or three other people just mm-hmm. standing around, often in a cold warehouse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. It's, sometimes there's more people on set, but it, you know, it's a, it's a pretty lean crew, and you. I guess I've just never really paid attention to the cameras. You see some people where they're performing and they're making eye contact with the camera and they're opening up to it and they're like ignoring really the person they're interacting with to engage in the camera. And they're like paying attention to their body and I don't do any of that. Like I've always just been, if anything, I'm known for being very authentic and I'm authentic in that I'm honestly not aware that the camera's there so I'm not doing a performance. So I guess we're just going to boil this down to one of your favorite sayings is just no shits to give. Yep. 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 I do not give a fuck. <laughs> Hello, this is Robert. and I'm leaving messages for the podcast or questions, actually. And number one, I've seen you act as a slave and as a master. And which one do you prefer and why? Second of all, do you, I guess the way I'm asking, have you desensitized to the point to where regular sex is no longer uh, wanted or valued and you need the special stimulation from the uh, master-slave relationship or do you just enjoy it for whatever you do it for and then come back to being a normal person where you have sex with whoever, male or female, and I'm not judging, and uh, can do that on a normal daily basis and not have to be put into a a bondage-type situation all the time. I'm just curious. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Actually, well, other than how do you feel about the fact you've done porn and people can watch it, these are two of the other most common questions that I get asked. People are really curious about that. Uh, I, You say a slave and master, and another way to do it would be dominant or submissive, or top and bottom. I am a switch. I like all of the experiences. I can't really say that I have a preference for one role or the other. It really varies on who I'm interacting with. I've found that I tend to feel more dominant around women. I'm pretty tall as a woman, and I feel pretty confident in my strength. And it's very, very rare for me to run into a woman I feel submissive towards. 
Princess Donna, I was definitely someone I felt submissive around, and uh, Isabel St. Clair really brought out some submissive energy in me. But in general, if I'm going to submit to someone, it's much more likely for them to be a man. And before I were to submit to a man, I always try and see if I can top him. So I don't submit readily. But when I do, I'm very dedicated in it. Do I have a preferred role? No. It's just how I take it on a case-by-case basis. Now, the second question that you have is one that I get asked a lot. People are really curious about this. Have I become desensitized as a result of all of my various kinky experiences to the point that just uh, regular quote-unquote vanilla sex no longer does it for me? And that's ridiculous. And no, I I remember talking about this with you, actually, when we first started interacting, because you had, like, wondered. You were like, oh, I see all this, like, elaborate bondage stuff. And, yeah. Like, I mean, we... I was wondering if you needed me to tie you up and... Bring out the circus every single yeah, time. Exactly. You know, do you do we need to tie the goat to the chandelier tonight? <laughs> and as it turns out, he was much relieved to hear, no, I don't need to tie the goat to the chandelier every single night. I'll be honest that I... No no offense to the rope people out there. I've never enjoyed rope. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be very dominant. And actually, I usually take the dominant role when it comes mm-hmm. to the two of us. I find you to be fairly submissive. To you. Yeah, to me. But I also am larger. And when I do bind you, it's usually by pure brute strength. You've got then, like 100 pounds on me. Yeah. And then I just prefer hitting you with whatever's at hand. Right. So I'll just grab random things and mm-hmm. be like, I can use this as a hitty thing. Right. Right? right, so it's not really as planned out and elaborate. It's more spontaneous and organic, as you know, the moment calls for. Yeah, I would say so. I think the interesting thing about his question, though, is the assumption that there is normal sex, or he he was asking you about coming back and being a normal person, mm-hmm. and the insinuation that when you're in the middle of doing, I feel pretty fucking doing, normal. Yeah, you're still a normal person, just yeah. maybe enjoying an extraordinary situation. I, I'm I'm a I'm a sensation junkie. I love experiences, but I don't feel unnormal when I'm doing experiences. One of the things you've always said to me, which seems interesting, is that you say all the scenes and things that you've done, you consider just to be stunts. Mm-hmm. That you consider yourself to be a stunt person, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff aren't going to be sexy situations. They're going to play out in normal life. Right. Average everyday life. Right. You're not going to get buried underground with your head (laughs) sticking out and staked. Right. And you're not necessarily doing that for sexual gratification. Right. Right. I'm I'm honestly curious. Like, if you look at my work, there's very little of it that would fall under vanilla, ordinary, quote unquote, like normal boy-girl porn. And I'm... Honestly curious, who really masturbates to the stuff that I do? Because I, I, I view myself as a, as a naked stunt person. I am doing stunts. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing when I was put in a scuba mask and, and bound to a Sibian and lowered in, in an inversion so that I was coming underwater. I mean, we had to have an EMT on set. We had a crew of like eight people where that uh, hard tide I did where I was up on the side of a mountain and they had to take a tractor and, and dig a giant hole and then bury me underground with a plastic bag over my head and a breathing tube. And 
I was buried from like, you know, the breasts up, inverted upside down. I, that's a stunt for me. And I I don't know like necessarily who's masturbating to it. And nobody should expect that that is something that they're going to pull off on their own. You have to have a lot of money and a lot of time time, and a lot of people. Equipment and a crew. And quite frankly, that's why I got into porn is that I knew that I wanted those experiences and I knew that I couldn't just go to my local bar or dungeon and, and have those level experiences. I needed the safety of being on set. I needed professionals. Sometimes the combined experience on set would be, of, of all the people there would be up to 80 years experience of protocol and safety and doing things right. And that was the only way I could get the experiences I craved. But at the other hand, I don't need to be buried underground every week in order to get my rocks off. No, I think I've actually seen you come harder through quote-unquote normal sex. And I still want to unpack that because I don't think there is such thing as normal sex and what somebody, what one person would be considered normal, somebody else would consider to be extremely kinky. Yeah, what's your definition of normal? Like When we do it through the hole in the sheet just for pure (laughs) procreation. That's is that is that normal when we when we just do straight missionary just for the sake of don't look each other in the eyes because you know if if you do that that's just getting perverse. I don't want you to feel my shame. Right. So I don't think that there is normal sex. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's sex that's more considered by society to be appropriate, which I don't agree with. But you're never going to find a consensus as to what normal sex is going to be. Right. That being said, I do think that I have seen you come harder from maybe everyday penis in vagina, PIV. Mm-hmm. I've seen you come pretty hard from that, harder than possibly any bondage shoot I've seen you do. Well, I don't, the the orgasmagetathon that I did, where I came for an hour straight to the point that I actually lost consciousness, and when I revived, I was puking and then passed out again. Don't get me wrong. I've had it's it's all on the range, but I did have where he had to do uh, CP, the director had to do CPR, like he had to do chest compressions and breathe into me because I'd passed out so much that I mean I've I've come pretty hard in some bonded situations. Other like, bonded are you situations. Setting a bar now? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> are you going to get a bucket? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. Well, yeah, I guess I'm going to need a bucket because I'm not going to want it on my bed. So right. what I'm going to need. Is a bucket and a heart defibrillator. <laughs> oh shit! Just so I know, now the, the new bar has been set. Okay, well I'm looking forward to tonight. Uh, so, anything else you want to talk about with this question? Uh, no, I think that that pretty much that answers it. It's a it's a pretty common question that I get. I'm glad that he called in with that one, just to set people's mind at ease. No, being so-called, you know, wild and kinky and perverted doesn't ruin you for all other experiences. It doesn't set the bar so high that you're incapable of enjoying a sexual interaction unless there's the goat and the chandelier and the circus and the bondage. Some nights we're just tired and, you know, bondage goat just doesn't want to get tied up to the chandelier. Sometimes we just put him out on our (laughs) large swaths of land to grace yeah. while we go inside and cuddle and watch movies online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's incredibly enjoyable. Right. You don't want to pull out all the bells and whistles all the time because then it's not special. Right. Because that becomes the norm. That that becomes the norm. And I, I want special things to be special. So I'm really happy with what I have and I'm not ruined by some, you know, 
extraordinary experiences that I've had. I appreciate them. I've had some extraordinary experiences with you. Here we have. No bondage required. Hopefully more to come. Fuck yeah. Well, that is our show for today. I want to wish the birthday boy a very happy birthday indeed. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, all our listener out there for joining us again. Thanks for all the calls and keep them coming. We look forward to answering more questions. Mm-hmm. Over and out. All right. See you next time. Bye.